بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله وحده والصلاة والسلام على من لا نبي بعده قال الله تبارك وتعالى في كتاب العزيز بعد أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إن هذا القرآن يهدي للتي هي أقوم ويبشر المؤمنين الذين يعملون الصالحات أن لهم أجرا كبيرا وقال الله تبارك وتعالى شهر رمضان الذي أنزل فيه القرآن هدى للناس وبينات من الهدى والفرقان إلى آخر الآية وقال النبي صلى الله تعالى عليه وسلم يقال لصاحب القرآن اقرأ وارتقي ورتل كما كنت ترتل في الدنيا فإن منزلك عند آخر آية تقرأها أو كما قال عليه الصلاة والتسليم My respected brothers, sisters, elders, youngsters السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته And it's a well-known fact that everyone sitting in this room, maybe, are women folk, men folk, adults, youngsters. We've all experienced this moment in our lives where we had a rough day or had a very tough exam for the ones who took the MCAT or step one, step two, step three, or LSAT, DTAT, whatever these cats are called. We came back from a work, had a rough day at work, surgery didn't go that well, or generally speaking, we're at work and one of our coworkers just disses us off, whatever it is. We come home and we're pretty down. And we're in, the, in that moment, we are contemplating of how or whether or not we should tell someone about this, of how we're feeling. And in, that, in the midst of that, we suppress our emotions and we say, whether or not it's society, whether it's your own internal, internal suppression that you use to hide your emotions. In that moment when we need someone, when we need a companion, when we need a mentor to speak to, when we need a, when we need a friend who can just hear us out, a brother or sister who won't be too quick to judge us. In that moment we decide, you know what, I'll just stay quiet. We've all experienced that? Let's raise our hands if we have. I have, for sure. I'm sure we all have. Although it's not a good thing to do, you know, there's a study that came out in 2013 in Colombia where they showed that people who suppress their emotions, in that study they evaluated heart disease. Sheikh Abdullah is going to hate me for this. They evaluated heart disease and mortality from cancer. And they found people who suppress their emotions, who like hide their emotions, have a higher risk from dying from cancer. SubhanAllah. And they also have a higher risk dying from heart disease. But that's beside the point. Even though we know it's not good to suppress our emotions, we do it. Because we feel like we will be judged. And sometimes it's not because we feel like we will be judged. Rather, the matter of fact is we don't have anyone to talk to. You know, we try to call someone, they're at work, they don't pick up. You know, you try to call Sheikh Abdullah, he might just put you on, can I talk to you later like he does to me all the time, right? Call me back later. You try to call Mufti Abdul Rahman, forget about it. He's not answering your phone call, right? You try to call your friend, no one's picking up. In that moment, you just realize, you know, I wish I had a companion. Brothers and sisters who are sitting here today, let it be known to you that although your friend, your mother even, your father, your brother, your sister may not be that companion who's available to hear you out or to give you comfort. As a Muslim, someone who has iman in their heart, 
you and I are blessed with a companion that's not limited by walls or by a text message or by a phone call, but rather this companion, this means of comfort and solace is found within the heart of every Muslim man and woman. And this companion is called the Quran. This companion, this friend is called the Quran. And you and I sometimes think when we go through hardships that, you know, I don't think anyone has ever experienced what I'm experiencing right now. When we lost our brother, Shaykh Abdurrahim Rahimullah, I remember I was in med school and I was actually, it was during COVID, in the middle of COVID, I was watching a lecture from online and I get a call at 2.59 p.m. from Shaykh Abdurrahman on October 5th. And he's a brother who never breaks down and he broke down and he said Abdurrahim got into an accident. And I had just come off a trauma rotation, seen people fly off motorcycles, 70 miles per hour, roll over multiple times and come in with one broken femur. I said, he got into an accident, khalas, like, okay, you know, inshallah khair. I said, where was the accident? He said, Hoover Road. Not on highway, Hoover Road, think about it, a road that the speed limit is 35 miles per hour. So I said, okay, uh, why, are you, why, are you worried? why are you tripping? Why are you worried? He said, and he's crying. He said that the cop said that he didn't make it. He didn't make it. I still didn't believe it. You know, the denial, anger, all that stuff. And I said, well, who cares what the cops think? Let's go see him. I'm not going to go over the entire story. But I remember hearing the news for the first time that he actually passed away. I went to the ER that was near that scene where he passed away. No one knows this story. I think only my brothers know this story. I said, I'm going to find out where he is. I'm going to see where he is. At least he, I'm sure he made it to the ER. So I go to the trauma bay and I said, do you have anyone by the last name of Wahid that came here by the ambulance, by the EMS? They're all looking at me like, you're going crazy. They're looking at their registry and said, we have no one by the last name of Wahid, Abdul Rahim, Muhammad. We don't know what you're talking about. I said, are you sure? Can you check the other hospitals that are affiliated with your system? I said, no. And I walk out of the hospital and I said, Uthman, he's a friend of ours. I said, Uthman, don't lie to me. Tell me the truth. Where is my brother? And then he said, he didn't make it. He said, Abdul Rahim did not make it. I kid you not, my mother was next to me. I had to hide my emotions for the next hour and pretend like I didn't know he passed away. While my mother was grabbing my hand and saying, take me to Abdul Rahim. I couldn't tell her. In that moment you think, a person would think that no one has ever experienced this loss. No one can give me comfort in this situation. You think that what I am going through, no one has gone through. But then you look in the Quran, and you look in Sirah, and you find that the best man to ever walk on the surface of the earth, Muhammad buried six of his own kids with his own beloved hands. Who are we? Who are we to think that we are going through so much difficulties that we don't have an answer for it? Or that there hasn't been an answer for it in the Quran? And the ayah of Allah, Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu sta'inu bi sabri wa salat, we hear it all the time. Wallahi, there was not, on that day was the first day where I truly understood the meaning of sabr. 
Dear respected brothers and sisters, the point of me coming up here is not to be emotional. Mufti Abdul Wahab is the best at that. And Sheikh Abdullah is on the opposite spectrum. He doesn't make you cry, he makes you laugh. Right? The purpose of me saying all of this is that we sometimes feel that when we experience those moments of solitude and loneliness, it's something that it's only reserved for the 21st century. Oh, maybe because I'm a Muslim American, I'm experiencing this. Maybe because of my iman, I feel like this. Maybe because of my lack of faith, I feel like this. No, 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 no. Let me, let's make one thing clear. These types of feelings were feelings that were also felt by the best people to walk on earth after their prophets, the companions of Rasulullah And in the short time that I have today, I'll prove that to you all, that how the Sahaba, from elder to younger, from men to women, also had moments in their lives where they were waiting for an answer and Allah gave the answer in the Qur'an. Where even where Rasulullah himself didn't have an answer on that moment. But Allah Azza wa Jal, through this companion, through this friend, through this mentor, the Qur'an, Allah revealed an answer, not only for the companions and the Prophet, but for all the people that will ever read the Qur'an until the Day of Judgment. Let's start with the story of a young man by the name of Zayb bin Arqam radiallahu bin Arqam radiallahu was a very young man. Some say teen, young teens, 13, 14 years old when this story took place. In the Ghazwa Bani Mustalaq. This was a battle or an expedition where the Munafiqeen knew that there was, a, there was not going to be a fight and the Muslims would be victorious and they would get a lot of goods back. So this was an opportunity to go and just get that for free. You know, they're freeloaders. Freeloaders, these munafiqeen. So they said, we're going to go and we're going to act like we're with the Muslims and we want to be part of this Bani Mustalaq expedition. And in this expedition, two big accusations took place. This was an expedition where Zayb bin Arqam was accused of something. And this was also the same expedition where our mother Aisha was also accused. Second, six years after Hijrah. So Zayb al-Qam narrates a story. He says, while we were going, you know, think about it. It's a desert. You find some water. We know. You find water, you just get alive. You want some water. So this, they find some water. He said, we found this water. And all of a sudden, people started to like, you know, fight their way through. You know, if anyone has gone to Umrah or Hajj, how they fight their way through to the black stone or for the rawdah. So they're fighting their way for this water. And then one muhajir was on one side and the ansara was on the other side. And the muhajir kind of pushed this ansara away. A little rough. And these were human beings. And when we say stories of sahabas where they made a mistake, it's not to say that they, were, they did something horrible. Rather, these mistakes were not applicable to happen to Rasulullah But the Prophet wanted to teach us a lesson. Allah Azza wa wanted to teach us a lesson. But this lesson couldn't have been taught through who? The Prophet also, because his character was impeccable. So these incidents actually take place in Sirah to give us a lesson from the Sahaba so we can benefit from them. Nonetheless, they had this kind of quarrel, argument, dispute. And the Muhajir was the stronger one, you know, like the Shaykh Abdullah, bigger guy who bullies the younger brothers all the time. He was the stronger one, pushing us away. And then Rasulullah heard about this. The Muhajir said, Ya ayyul Muhajirin, O Muhajirin, come help me. The Ansar said, people of Ansar, now you are Umar Amir Mu'mineen. And then she gave him some advice. 
Umar was standing there and listening attentively. The Sahaba around him said, Ya Umar, Ya Amin Mu'mineen, why are you staying here? Why are you standing and waiting for this lady? He said, why did Umar radiallahu anhu not stand and listen attentively for the same Sahabiyah whom Allah heard her voice seven skies above the heavens? How dare Umar not listen to her when Allah Azza wa Jal was able to respond to her in the Quran until the day of judgment? Aisha radiallahu anha says that when this lady was coming to Rasulullah, Khawla bin Thalaba, when she was talking to Rasulullah, she was whispering so low that I could see them talking, but I couldn't hear what they were saying. And Allah Azza wa Jal gave an answer from the skies above the earth. This is to show all of us, again, the story of Zayd radiallahu anh, story of Khawla radiallahu anha, story of Abdullah bin Umar Maktoub radiallahu anh, to show that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has an answer for our, our difficulties in the Quran. It is up to us whether or not we choose to connect with the Quran. And I've seen in my short life that youngsters who try to make excuses that, you know, I, I really can't, I, I can't read Quran because I don't understand Quran. And I want to learn Arabic, which is great. Quran is to ponder over its meanings. It's there to ponder over its meanings. But subhanAllah, wallahi, I've seen in my life, many students, medical students, pre-dental students, pre-med students, many students across Michigan, that have just taken this concept of reciting Quran. I have numerous people who literally would come to me and recite Quran once a week. And I don't, I've never told anyone this. All they would do would come and recite the Quran to me once a week. SubhanAllah, these same students have been part of Miftah for the past five, six years. These same students are the students that walk across the hallways of the hospitals, proud to be from the Ummah of Muhammad Sallallahu These same students, these same youngsters who are out in the streets, who did not know how to pray, today are teaching other youngsters how to pray and how to recite Quran. Not because they're Mufassideen, not because they're great scholars, all because they were able to find a way to connect with the Qur'an, to attach to the Qur'an. I challenge all of you sitting here. I challenge all of you. Next time you are going through a difficult time, next time when you're trying to find an answer for your trials and tribulations, even if you do not understand a word of the Qur'an, I challenge you, open the Qur'an and open the translation next to the Qur'an. I guarantee you, in a matter of five minutes, you will find the answer to your troubles. You will find Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaking to you directly and addressing your situation. My dear respected brothers and sisters, just remember that the time that we have in this world is very limited. The Quran will be there when we are here and will stay after we leave. Blessed is that individual who makes the connection with the Quran so that when we leave, the Quran follows us. The Quran is such a companion, not like the companions of this world. It doesn't matter how long you live with your wife. It doesn't matter how long you live with your mother and father. It doesn't matter how much you love your brothers and sisters. You and I will have to depart one day. But there is a companion. There is a companion, like I said earlier, that's not limited by walls or by a phone call or even by time. The companionship of the Qur'an will not only stay with you and I in this world, but the same Qur'an will go in the grave. Hadith al-Darmi. The Alif Lam Mim Sajda, Surah Sajda and Surah Mulk will come into the grave of a believer and will tell and will intercede on behalf. And the, the Surah will say, Oh Allah, if I am from the Quran, then accept my intercession for this person. And oh Allah, if I am not from the Quran, then wipe me off the Quran. Wipe me out of the Quran. And this person who recited Surah Sajda 
Rasulatul Mulk every single night will be saved from the punishment of the grave. On the day of judgment, Allah, and I'll conclude, on the day of judgment, why am I keep why do I keep on saying companion, companion? You know, the Sahaba were called companions for a reason. Because they understood what Rasulullah wanted. They not only lived with him, they didn't live, some sahabas they didn't, they didn't live for too long with him. But they understood that wherever they went, this was the mansha, this was the mindset of Rasulullah. I don't want to break his heart. The Quran is the same way. Allah Azza wa on the day of judgment, when he speaks of the person of the Quran, he uses the same word that he used for the companions of the Prophet, Sahaba. Yuqalu li sahib al Quran. Hadith says, Yuqalu li sahib al Quran. It will be told to the companion of the Quran. Yes, Ibn Hajar Asqalani mentions that this is a half of the Quran. But there are many other scholars who say that even if a person did not memorize the Quran, but made it a purpose of their lives to remain attached to the Quran, he also falls in this category. Quran. It will be told to the companion of the Quran. Keep on ascending the levels of Jannah. وَرَدْتِلْ And read in the slow and beautiful tone you would recite in this dunya. كَمَا كُنْتَ تُرَدْتِلُ فِي الدُّنْيَا فَإِنَّ مَنْزِلَكَ عِنْدِ آخِرِ آتٍ تَقْرَأُهَا Keep on reciting. You are this companion of the Qur'an. You, and go, you go on and recite this companion of yours, this Qur'an of yours, and keep on ascending the levels of Jannah. The last ayah that you will recite will be your final abode. The ulama have mentioned that when this person recites مِنَ الْجِنَّةِ nas, he or she would have already reached Jannatul Fadaus. We ask Allah Azza wa Jal to make us individuals who live with the Quran, make it our companion, and we ask Allah to make us those individuals that the Quran follows us to our graves and follows us and takes us to Jannah. Wa akhru da'wan. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen.